looking crafty. You could make a raft out of pencils and foam. You sure looking happy. Hello. Hi. Welcome. And this is Owlbomb. You introduce, I won't. So- I, always think, I always think you're waiting for me to do it. And so I'm like, oh, okay. This is one okay. of those things that professionals would have sorted out. Ironed out. Just do it. You do it and let me just be your hype man. (laughs) Welcome to the Stitchcraft Podcast. Yes. Do you want to play 13? Yeah! Woo! Woo! Grandma and Grandpa's lucky number. And uh, legitimately, that was my first guess. My best guess. Yay! (laughs) I'm sure everyone's tired of listening to me be right. (laughs) I'm just kidding. God knows I am. Oh, burn. So we're doing our very best to get back on schedule. Um, Mm -hmm. It's it's working out um, in a mediocre fashion, I would say. Medium. We're doing. Hey, you know what? We showed up. It's true. That's that's better than not at all. It's better than the last couple of months. (laughs) Yeah. We made time. It's true. It's true. We had to figure out, you know, it's a, it's a weekday, it's a school night. So we're going to have to be efficient, which is Mm -hmm. not our forte. No, not as sisters. Definitely not together. No, no. But you know, it's first time for everything. We're never going to be efficient. Island. It's fine. Another learning opportunity. They call it Williams time for a reason. <laughs> That's true. That is true, uh, actually. Many people in our many people who have married into this family have called our inability to time manage Williams time. So it's fine. I'm fine with it. I've I've acknowledged it. And I'm I'm gonna say I'm like a really good bus. I'm on time most of the time. I'm near there. I'm gonna mm-hmm. get you there. I'm gonna figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm okay. Um so, yeah, I, I do like that we're trying to do it in a school night. I'm sure everyone has been out there trying to try to everyone tries to make time for their life in the middle of the week. And it doesn't always really happen because, you know, work just kind of takes over and does things. But this is it's a good experiment to try to shift off because usually by the time you and I record on a weekend, I've already had my first happy hour. <laughs> I've already I've already slept in. I've already like had like four cups of coffee and got really excited about my day. So... <laughs> And then when I start day drinking with you, it's, you know, it's just heaven. It's great. But here I'm like, ooh, I've got to dive right into a beverage right away. But, so which beverage did you dive into? Uh, what a great transition. Are we pros? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's obvious. No. Um, what I've heard so far from people is that they really enjoy listening to us talk like our sister banter, probably more than the projects themselves. They didn't say that, but, but they do enjoy listening to us laugh because it is like having happy hour with us. Essentially. That's it, what that, it is. Except that I do actually make an effort to let you finish what you're saying. Mm. At happy hour, I would just talk over <laughs> you. And uh, I just want to let our listeners know that if you know me personally, you know, I have a really hard time staying quiet and I talk over people and I finish people's sentences because for some way, some reason in my brain, I think 
that that lets you know I'm on a level with you. Like, look, oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm finishing your sentences. And then everyone's like, that's not what I want to say. Like, <laughs> stop it. I think one time I finished someone's sentence that wasn't a family member. And ever since then, I'm like, it's magic if I do it. But then I'm wrong. <laughs> 90% of the time, but then people hate it. Hate, people hate being interrupted. Um, all right, so I'm going to go back to the topic, which is <laughs> what's in my cup. And really, it's called what's in my can. <laughs> yeah. that's this, I, I'm making a solid effort to buy beer in cans because I've heard the recycling is far more efficient on well, aluminum than in glass. Yeah, I also think that um, the carbon footprint of shipping aluminum is a lot, like for the amount of beer that's inside of it, Right. It, it takes less energy to ship the cans than it does the glass bottles. So, you know, if you can buy something locally, then it doesn't really make all that much difference. Like I have local breweries that bottle and can, and it doesn't really make that much difference because they're right here. But right. yeah, for distance stuff, the cans are better. Well, I'm just, I'm also like, I'm in the land of beer. Hmm. The Midwest is the land of many, many microbreweries and craft uh craft options so today's can is uh kiwana point trail ale and it's one of the prettiest cans i've ever seen it's got like a matte and shine finish i was very impressed by the uh, manufacturing on it but yeah so it's kiwana brewery uh they are in i'm getting there they're in the upa south... yeah south range michigan yes um and it, this one is awesome I got a sampler pack, so I'm not going to act like I'm 100% in on this, but um, proceeds from the sale of the Point Trail Ale go to benefit the Copper Harbor Trails Club, which I think is pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, they, um, they make a couple of other beers. So they've, I've only ever had their beer in cans, which I like. Um, and our, our Aunt Sue has a thing for their, um, what is it, Black Widow ale mm. i do um, have a can of that yeah yeah so she really likes that one um and i'm trying to think which other ones i liked but yeah i'd be interested to kind of hear your thoughts on it because it's it's something that um i've seen before and i have enjoyed and they do have that is a a different look to the cans and some of the other ones um yeah. it i agree with you it's super pretty the Kiwana cans, for the most part, as far as like the the ones that have really made it far out of the UP, have been, um, and for those who don't know, the UP is the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Um, I just realized that we're talking like youpers to one another and not, <laughs> we're not talking to the rest of our people. Um, but uh, yeah, most of them have been named after like feminine characters. They'll often have a feminine uh, person or character on their cans. Like they'll have the pickaxe blonde. They'll have a red jacket, mm -hmm. which is a redheaded woman. Black widow is a woman with black hair. Um, and they're all like representative in a muse kind of way of sports and, uh, labor and things like that, that are of the UP. So like loggers and, uh, miners and, you know, things like that, which is kind of cool. But, um, They've gone it in a very like old timey route with like, you know, a pinup not a pinup girl. I won't say that. They're not pinups, but no. They're 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 named after girls, which is interesting. Or yeah, at least so that's their not named after girls. Ah, I'll stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> There's women on the cans. Women on the cans. That's how you know it's good. <laughs> um 
Yeah, so I was just looking at it on a map. So I think it's on the Keweenaw Peninsula near the Keweenaw Bay up. Like, so the Upper Peninsula has a, a peninsula, it has its another peninsula on the peninsula that points almost <laughs> directly northeast into Lake Superior. And this is like halfway out onto that little finger up by Houghton, it looks like. So oh, it's the snow there. Oh, yeah. But you know, it's got to be real pretty, too. Oh, it's got to be gorgeous. I mean, I think a lot of people don't know that Lake Superior and that whole area is unlike anywhere else in the world. It's one of the deepest lakes in the world and or at least in the, in the, in the Americas. But it's so big. And depending on the season, you can surf it. Mm -hmm. Like, I think people don't realize like how deep the waves can actually get. But they have winter surfing out there from time to time because it, yeah. it's also so deep it doesn't really fully freeze. Right. You know, on top. So it's a very interesting thing. But I've also like I've been out there in the hottest days of summer and I'll dip my toes into the water and it is icy, icy cold because it will. And again, it doesn't fully freeze, but there's the depth of that thing does not allow for the sun to bake it. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it's, it's a very. It's refreshing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anyone dunk their head in fully. At least in the bays and the, in the lake fronts we've been a part of. But anyways, it's a very, very beautiful place. So It's true. I'm glad they made some good beers. I'm into it. And Definitely. what is in your cup today? I am, I am actually drinking out of a glass bottle that was brought up here by uh, my dear friend Allison. So Allison is a professor of musicology at the University of Missouri, Kansas City Conservatory of Music. So she was invited up here to give a guest lecture in the um, music department here at Iowa. And she brought up a bunch of treats from Kansas City with her. And one of them was a mixed case of Boulevard beers. Ooh. So um, Boulevard Brewery is based in Kansas City. Uh, and I've had a bunch of um, Boulevard beers before. They're not, um, it's not difficult to find uh, certain beers of theirs around here. So they have like a wheat that everybody has on tap. And I think they have a pale ale. Um, so there's, there's some stuff that you can find. And now that people are really interested in drinking stuff that's made by people locally, um, you can start to find some of their more, um, I wouldn't say obscure, but sort of not their flagship stuff on tap at various places. Um, but this one that I'm having is, I picked it honestly because of the name. It's the single wide IPA. <laughs> it's got a single wide trailer. Um, Ain't no shame in that. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, uh, a, an IPA. It's nothing. It doesn't have any funky flavors added to it. It doesn't have any, um, you know, it doesn't advertise any like particular single origin hops or anything like that, but, um, it's really good. It's a really right good, on. pretty basic IPA. So I wonder if they do a double IPA if it's going to have a double wide on it. I can only imagine that they probably do, but it was not I mean, in a mixed case. Mm -hmm. I realized I didn't say what kind of beer this uh, the Point Trail Ale is, but it's a Rye India Pale Ale. Oh, a Rye PA. A Rye PA. Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> a Rye PA. Yeah. Um, no, I like it. It's got a little bit of a different bite to it, but I like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like um, when I've had rye PAs, they're a little mellower. It's not a palate wrecker. Like whenever, you know, like you'll have like citrus hops 
um, or citra hops, mm -hmm. not citrus, excuse me, citra hops. Some people just load it up. And I feel like the IPA trend has now downgraded a little bit, not in the sense of like IPAs aren't popular, but like the dank, really skunky IPAs have kind of mellowed a little bit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so this isn't a palate wrecker at all. It's rye, but um, I like it. Maybe this is a, for those who want to have a drinkable IPA and not think about how, like some IPAs used to make me just thirsty. Yeah. They'd be I so usually, dry. <laughs> I used to go to this really great brewery um, that was down the street from us uh, in San Francisco, me and my best friend. And it was Cellar Maker, and they helped put City Beer Map on, or City, not Beer Map, City Beer Store on the map. Um, that had been around a really long time. A lot of those guys worked there. And so then when they broke off and started brewing their own beer, they knew the flavors that everyone wanted. So they had incredible IPAs. Like, everything had a, a really strong, um, like, a lot of citra hops and things like that in there. But I would order a pint and then order a pint of water right there with it, just to, like, Two by two, and it's easy because I had to. It's probably good for you to do that anyway. Oh, I still blacked out many a time, and I definitely went there in my pajamas. Not going to act like I didn't because it was down the street from my house. It's probably <sighs> the best thing for me about this neighborhood is that I cannot stumble to any of the bars. So I have to be a grown up when I go anyplace. Ugh, overrated. Um, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> it's also like nice enough now in the Midwest. Like, I don't know if anybody is aware, but Minnesota had us you know, really heavy snow called a blizzard last weekend. It was legit a blizzard. And this time last week, I was still like walking in dirty snow. And today, bare legs, out in a dress, loving my life. I literally, it feels like, I don't, I don't know. It feels like night and day. And I don't know if it's because it's really not that warm, but we're all just like sunshine, hooray. But it's pretty amazing the transformation from last week to this week. And that means bike riding to more breweries like I did last weekend. And yeah, there's gonna be a lot of activities involving drinking and activities. Activities. <laughs> Just activities in general. Like, but let me involve... sneak that in. Like, uh, there'll be some activities, but mostly activities to get to the drinking. <laughs> yeah. I promise we're not actually alcoholics. I just oh, genuinely, yeah. as I, I actually told, who was I talking to? Um, one of my friends who was visiting this past weekend, we were chatting about um, the fact that I could probably live without, I could, I could reduce my carb intake and try to amplify my vegetable intake, which I, I actually am trying to do, um, and try to just like eat better for myself. Because as I get older, you know, the risk of unhealthy eating, especially as a woman, really increases your risk of heart disease and stuff like that. So like I, I should be thinking more about that. Um, but I'm not going to cut out beer. It's too delicious. If there was a way to make equally delicious beer that didn't have any alcohol in it, I would drink it because I'm not yeah. drinking it for the, the, the alcohol part of it. It's just that there's nothing on earth that tastes as good. There's not a beverage on earth that tastes as good. And it has so much variety. And yeah, and also there's something that a lot of people can do. You know, it's, I said, it's so, uh, I say it's really interesting to see how everyone puts their spin on it. Mm -hmm. I like, I like going to breweries, not because I've got to change them all. I'm like, show me what you are. Like, show me the flavors of what this place is. And, and it just like, there's just, 
so much variety. I completely agree with you on that. Well, and like, I, I, also, I like that people want to show me the things that they're proud of. You know, it's very much in that way, like working with a, a handcrafters community, like people worked really hard on something that they're really proud about. And I want to share in that. And I, you know, I like absolutely. that. And uh, what I was going to say, in addition to that, is just that, um, oh, I'm having a total brain fart because it was so important or I was lying. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 it's okay. It's, oh, I was going to say that, like, I have drank non-alcoholic beers just because I enjoy drinking beer. And I've had friends who, you know, during their pregnancies found non-alcoholic wine. And at first you want to be like, oh, that's juice. And you're like, no, there's actually reduced alcohol, removed alcohol wine. Because for some people, it's, it's, a, it's a trigger in a positive way of a relaxation response to like, oh, I'm socializing. Oh, this is what I do to calm down at night. This is my way of contemplating my day. I'm not saying it's meditative because I don't want to encourage that. But I do think that there is a lot to be said about our rituals of every day. Yes. You know, same with coffee. Like, I don't, you can give me decaf and I'll still be thrilled. Just being honest, like, I'm not that reactive. I don't react to caffeine that much. Ah. You know, like, I don't sway to or fro. I can live without it. Hmm. But do I like the taste of it? And but let me be clear. Do I like milk and sugar? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea of having, and like, I drink hot coffee year round. I don't have iced coffee. Yeah. Me, so like, I don't either really. So for me, it's like, again, it's a ritual. It signals to me, I'm awake. I'm going to be doing something or now's the time to be creative and not complain because you're getting to have something you really enjoy. Like those are the things. So I agree with you on that. And I will say this for people. I've had the O'Doul's Amber. Not bad. Huh. I'll have to give that a try. And other friends of mine who drink O'Doul's, they're like, yeah, the Amber's way better. So (laughs) Fuck it. Try it, y'all. I'll there. have to keep that. You know, you know where we have to put in a special request for that hmm. is at the veterans home. Cause I've seen O'Doul's there, but I have not seen the O'Doul's Amber. So this is where I tell you I had it there. Oh, <laughs> at the veterans home at the base. Sorry. People might not know this, but our father is in a retirement home. It's a veterans home uh, in King, Wisconsin. And it's ran by the VA. And if you will believe it, there is a bar a legal bar inside that is ran by veterans, uh, by, uh, staff. So they're state employees. Um, and it's awesome. They run it like, you know, decent hours for old folks and they have spotted cow in cans and they have good stuff on draft. And they definitely had a mix of non-alcoholic beers. Amber's O'Doul was on there. I had a few. Yeah. Well, I'll have yeah. to check that out the next time I go. They also have some other local beers beyond uh, New Glarus ones. Mm. Yes. Um, sorry, we. I I tried a few. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. Sorry, we spent a lot of time talking about beer. Sorry, anybody who doesn't like beer, but we're just talking about like. Literally, it's the craft behind it. I think, though, I think it's the craft and the excitement around it. So that's really what I, it is you for guys, me. If people want to like send us some root beers. I'd be into that too. So I would talk about that. Well, and I have, we have before. We've, we've, we, we have, have featured root beer on this show. That is correct. The Abita root beer. Yep. And a couple others. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyways, I'm rambling here. This is not the best episode. I apologize, guys. But I'm here. 
Hooray. Um, so let's uh, cut on through to projects, works in progress. All right. So I, um, as you guys may recall, as I'm sure all of you remember very clearly and commit to your memory, the things that I'm working on. Um, I had been working on the um, Edie t-shirt by Michelle Wong. And uh, I have not been working on it lately, not because I don't like it. Um, I, th I, I know that I mentioned that I had made, like I said, not a, I wouldn't call it a mistake because I certainly followed the directions very closely, but I had not read the pattern well enough to know that I should have changed things rather than making it exactly to pattern. So then I fixed it. I, I, you know, unmade it, started making it again. And then because I think I just wanted something that was instant gratification. So I um, decided that I wanted to make a hat because that usually goes pretty fast. And I wanted to make it, um, I think I mentioned this last time, like I actually did this last time was talking about my um, uh, headband ear warmer that I had made because it was instant gratification. So um, last week I decided to make some worsted weight hats and I decided to try color work, which I have never really done before. So for people who don't know, um, color work doesn't mean anything in specific. It just means that instead of knitting something or crocheting something in all one color or all one yarn that you alternate colors to make a pattern. And the simplest version of color work is stripes. So you just, you know, work with one color, drop that color, pick up the next color, work with that color. So that's the simplest version of color work. And it gets increasingly complicated up to um, various types of working with multiple colors at the same time or a technique called intarsia where you are actually using different colors to almost to knit separate pieces but they're all happening at the same time so it ends up it's also called picture knitting so basically that's how you get pictures in your sweaters like if your sweater has a picture knitted into it that's probably intarsia um, that's the, that's more complicated. It's a little more difficult to do and it's a little, it's more difficult to make it look nice, I think. Um, but what I did instead is called stranded color work and it's called stranded because if you look at the inside of the work, it looks like you have free strands of yarn on the wrong side. So there's just like these, uh, these floats, floaters. These, yeah. Yeah. These, um, bits of yarn that are not really, uh, knitted into the fabric. So if you've ever bought a commercial sweater or a pair of socks that has this, you might have noticed it because you try to put the sweater on and your finger jams into one of the spaces created by the yarn. Yeah, that's stranded color work. Um, and so the trick to stranded color work is making sure that your the those those strings of yarn on the inside are kind of caught up in the knitting often enough that the loops they don't turn into big long loops that hang free right. and annoy you. Um, so I, I Googled some videos about how to do that. Um, and some websites from people who, you know, had suggestions about how to do it so that, um, you don't end up making the floats too tight because in an effort to keep them from hanging loose and being annoying, sometimes people knit them too tightly, in which case it basically makes like a constriction band around the work, which can make Ooh. it hard to, you know, put the hat on your head or put your arm through the sleeve or whatever. 
So, so yeah, um, so I made two color work hats. Um, and the first one is called the resistor hat, uh -huh. which is both um, nerdy and political. So um, this was this pattern, I think, was actually designed for the March for Science last year. Um, the person who designed it, uh, let me see, I think I actually have that person's name around here. Um, so the person who designed it is Heidi Arges, or Arjes, A-R-J-E-S. And um, the pattern actually has a circuit, it's part of a circuit diagram. So it's like extra, extra nerdy. So in That's, physics, I was like, I don't even know what that means. I know, right? So <laughs> if you're, if you were a person who didn't work in um, physics, you might not know that the pattern on the hat is of a battery connected to three resistors. You would just look at it and see some squiggly lines and you'd be like, oh, it's a cute, you know, sort of squiggly line pattern. Mm -hmm. But all of those um, sine waves around the body of the hat are the um, symbol for a resistor when you draw a circuit. And then on one part, there's the symbol for a battery. And so mm -hmm. it looks like a battery in series with three resistors, um, which I think is adorable. Mm -hmm. And of course, um, appropriate for, for the March for Science. So um, I made this in um, the purple yarn. So the body of the hat is this purple that's from Studio June. I think it's their, what is it called? Their squishy, squishy soft worsted. So um, Studio June uh, is out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, and I think I bought this at a yarn show in Ann Arbor. Um, so it's a really nice yarn. It's super soft. And then the um, gray, which is the foreground color of the pattern. So it's just, it just sort of makes a stripe around the hat. And then the resistor is knitted onto that. Um, that was a, a Madeline Tosh uh, yarn called Vintage. So it's just another worsted weight wool yarn. So these are both super wash yarns so that uh, if the hat needs to be washed, it won't felt up and become super tiny. <laughs> um, <laughs> and anybody looking at this hat would be like, oh God, that actually fits on your head. But, um, cause I have a very large head. The, um, super wash yarns, uh, tend to stretch out. So I made it a little bit smaller than I would have normally wanted it because over time it will relax a little bit. It's not like regular, like I said, it won't felt. And in fact, it has the super wash process, the chemical process of the super wash, um, tends to make yarns um, stretch out over time rather than tighten up. Um, so that can be a little difficult for people who are first trying to make something because they think that they're making it the right size. And then it turns out it just gets slightly larger and larger as you wear it. So it's a thing to keep in mind if you're making something with superwash that uh, you might want to make it a little bit smaller than you would have otherwise done because so you can block it out. Can I ask a clarifying question. Mm -hmm. What is superwash? What do you think the process is? Or do you know in a way to describe that? Like, how's that different than what else we can buy? Um, so the short answer is that I do not know the exact process, but I am aware that 
you know, wool has barbs on it, which is why it felts in the first place. So wool fibers have little barbs on them. And then when you wash them and agitate them, they catch onto each other. And over time, that makes the item felt up, which sometimes can make it smaller, especially if you put it in the dryer, right? Because then you're pushing all those barbs together and they tend to hook to each other. And once that happens, they don't unhook. <laughs> so, so that's the joke when someone's like, you put it in the dryer. Ah. Yeah. Um, so superwash, um, superwash yarns have been chemically treated to strip that off, the barbs off. So it oh. becomes a smooth fiber. So some people don't like using superwash yarns because of course there's a chemical process involved and it's pretty harsh. Um, so the idea would be that, um, when you use a superwash yarn that potentially the chemicals that were used to do that are toxic, they're probably not great for the environment. I don't know that much about it, so I have, and I, I, it, I should look into that more. Um, there are some yarns where they are sort of pseudo-superwashed, I would say. So there's a company called O-Wool that makes organic wools. And they have something called O-Wash. So it's not a standard chemical stripping of the barbs. I think instead they, um, they treat it in some other way or coat it in some other way that's still organic, but results in the yarn not felting as much. I was going to say, like, there's ways to, like, essentially, I, not iron, but, like, uh, I'm trying to, like, you could, there's ways that you can set the barbs down. So you essentially can relax the barb. Yeah. You can relax it. Yeah. 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 And coatings would work in that sense. Yeah. So I, I really don't know too much about it. I do know that, um, the final product, like I said, behaves differently than non-superwash. Um, the other thing that the reason that I think knitters tend to gravitate toward the superwash is number one, if you make something for somebody else, sorry about that, uh, that if you make something for somebody else, if they put it in the dryer, it's not going to ruin all that work, right? Like when you work really hard to make something for somebody, you don't want to give it to them with a long list of instructions. Like that kind of takes the joy out of receiving. It's a the job, gift. not yeah. a gift. <laughs> so, um, so that's one thing. Um, the other thing is that um, the superwash process by taking off those barbs, um, the yarn itself takes up dye in a more vibrant way, it tends to be more vibrant. So when, um, an indie dyer, you know, works really hard to make like a beautiful speckled yarn with really rich colors. Um, it's, it seems to be more often that those are in the superwash yarns because they just tend to take that dye up better. Cool. So they're more visually appealing. So it's not universally true. There are definitely, you know, a wide variety of bright colors that you can get uh, in a lot of different processes, but that's sort of, um, what you hear people say a lot and what you read about a lot is that for, at least for hand dyers, the superwash yarns take up the dye more, more intensely. So, cool. so yeah. And then if you, you know, if you look at these, at the yarns that, um, I use to make these hats, like they're, they're really, really richly colored. Um, although, in this hat, one this this other hat that I haven't talked about yet, um, one of the yarns uh, is not um, superwash, and it's still lovely and, and rich um, for a different reason. So the other hat I made um, is called the hoopla hat. So 
Um, it is from Nobody is Surprised, Pom Pom Quarterly. Um, this is from their, their celebratory five-year anniversary edition. Um, so this has three different colors in it. It's got a mm -hmm. really dark black purple, which I love, and then the gray. And then the green, Miranda, you might recognize. Uh, yeah. As your hat color. I love that hat color. I love it. Yeah. So basically. Very pretty. Yeah. So um, this one is just um, more of a, um, it's, it's a Fair Isle style of hat. So Fair Isle is a specific style of color work in which you only use two colors in a given row. Um, and so you get three colors by having a section that's your background plus one contrast color. And then you have another section that's the same background and a different contrast color. Um, and the patterns tend to be um, very fine, you know? So mm -hmm. there's only a couple stitches of each color before you go back to the other color. This also has what's called a Latvian braid at the bottom. Oh, that's pretty. It's just like an interesting design element. Basically, I picked this hat because it just had it had a bunch of design elements that I've never tried to use before. And I thought, why not give it a try? This one is a little more believable that it would fit on my head. It's made to be a very slouchy, oversized hat, and that's exactly what it looks like. Um, and this one, again, uses this the Madeline Tosh vintage yarns, which are just like super squishy and like they're soothing to work with. Because they're just so smooth and plump and squishy. I don't know how to describe it, it. It's like comfort food for knitting. It is. It is. And then the, the green color that I mentioned is from um, a Michigan dyer, the Plucky Knitter. Um, and this is actually a yarn that I'm really super bummed she doesn't make it anymore called Traveler Erin. Um, she still makes Traveler yarns. But um, the Aran weight one, she doesn't make that anymore. She has a sport weight one and a, a DK weight one, which basically they're just skinnier. I liked the, the fatter one. Um, just because, again, it's more instant gratification. It's, it feels nice and plump in your fingers. Um, and the, uh, this is a yarn that's a mix of um, wool, silk, and yak. And it is... So nice. Um, and the wonderful thing, the, I guess, probably part of the reason that it takes up dye really nicely is that the silk takes up dye really nicely. Yes, yeah, it does dye beautifully. The yeah. other thing that I like about it is because I, the yak fiber is not perfectly white, it doesn't take up dye the exact same way as the wool and the silk, which are more white. So you end up with a heathered yarn no matter what you do, which I personally think is gorgeous. I love, 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 love heathered yarns. So those are the ones that... Um, that have multiple different colors, but usually it's like different tones of the same color. So a heathered yarn would be like, if it was blue, you'd have some lighter blue tones and some darker blue tones all blended together. And I just think it's so pretty. Well, and some heathers are really dramatic mm -hmm. and almost on the verge of uh, a merle or a speckle, or I think we also say a, oh, what's the word? Starts with an M. But anyways, um, there's many phrases and types of heathers and variances. But it, also what I think is interesting is when it's a really, really tonal heather with a, not a very dramatic look to it, it kind of like pops your stitches. It pops yeah. the work that you're doing. It kind of gives like a 
a little bit of a shadow effect. Yeah, I think so. I think that's probably why I'm, I'm drawn to it so much is that it's just, it's not flat and it can, a Heather can never look flat. So that can be a problem if you're trying to make something that has a, a texture to it because the texture could be obscured if the the colors in the heather are too contrasty themselves. So your eye can't distinguish between the contrast from the yarn and the contrast from the pattern. Um, in those cases, sometimes it's nice to use a super flat yarn that has just one color, like just one solid, solid color. Um, but I find that most heathers don't interfere with, with patterns and textures. And that's part of the reason. So I mentioned the plucky knitter. She is super famous for um, making these very um, rich sort of, they're not, they're not heathered and they're not variegated and they're not even really like tonal yarns. I don't know how to describe it, but the colors look extra rich without being um, flat, like all one color without being so variegated that you get a pattern because of the variegation that you didn't mean to have. Um, and they just have this incredible depth to them. Um, so her yarns are more expensive than a lot of other dyers. And so I do, um, you know, limit myself in, in what I buy because it is not cheap, but it is, what she makes is uniformly beautiful. Very cool. Yeah. And she's out of uh, Western Michigan, like the Grand Rapids area. Yay, Midwest. Yeah. Very cool. How about you? Well, I have a couple projects I'm going to talk about. The first one is on the craft side. Some of y'all know that I recently started work again in a corporate environment, um, but it's a corporate apparel environment. And that means we have a lot of samples. We have a lot of strike-offs, which are essentially little sample cuttings for us to approve the artwork or the hand feel of something. Um, and with that, those are a lot of scraps, lots of things that are thrown away. Even, you know, it's important for us to have uniform product, you know, to hit the visual of what we're trying to go for. But um, what's interesting is that, you know, eventually we have to purge them. You know, once we hit the season, things have already been in store, they're already sold. They've already been, you know, put to bed, like we're not bringing them back. We purge those samples. We purge those um, swatches and things like that. So sometimes it's just a little cutting, a little piece of something, like some artwork with a daisy printed on it. Other times it's yardage of a polka dot. Maybe it's yardage of a stripe or an interesting little motif. And in the purge, most recent purge that they've done, um, there was a lot for um, girls' product. So um, we generally recycle it. You know, that's our goal. But once in a while, you can take some of it and work with it if you need to, like and do some pieces with it. So I have stacks. I took a number of stacks of um, fabrics, um, some in yardage, some into strike-off form. We'll see how it works. But I'm going to see if I can quilt with it. Nice. And do like a kind of like, you know, people do T-shirt quilts and things like that, with like mm -hmm. band T-shirts or old athletic gear that they love and they would just want to do, you know, kind of have their memories and yeah. something sweet. This will be interesting. I'm curious if I can do it um, with these newer qualities, not t-shirt qualities, which these newer qualities, I say newer because everything has spandex in it now. 
everything has a little bit more recovery in how we wear things. So it's just not like an old vintage t-shirt. These are all, you know, what we consider brand new t-shirts. The ones that are a little stretchier, a little bit more give. Um, so I'm curious if I can do stuff with them. I also might make them into like bags for things, like gift bags. Because I think that's always a really sweet idea is to have a cloth bag instead of a paper bag you buy at the store for somebody. So I'm going to... I'm going to dive into the ideas of what I can do with these smaller cuts and to see what I can do. When you say qualities, do you mean fabrics? Like what I is... do you mean fabrics? Sorry, okay. not because I mean, I'm talking fiber and I'm talking fabric. Um, but relatively speaking, any t-shirt that someone buys in a really commercial way, whether it be from Gap, Old Navy, JCPenney, Target, Walmart, like everybody has a little bit of spandex in what they're doing, almost everybody. Um, and that's what gives a very different feel to our knit t-shirts now. Like mm -hmm. t-shirts feel a little bit spongier or they feel a little bit more smooth and they have like a lot of different fit and feel and finish to it. Um, and same with our sweatshirts. Our sweatshirts now have a little bit of give in it. It's not just these, you know, chunky, you know, champion <laughs> old vintage tees or a Hanes beefy tee that's just a might as well be woven it's so stiff and, you know like everything is soft and you know supple now so that's when I, when I mean the qualities I am talking yarn all the way up to the knitted product so yeah that's what I'm looking at I have a whole bunch of that um and that's something I'll take a photo of my stacks because these are no longer proprietary prints they're things that have been put out by our textile team at Target um that have already been in store already gone to sale already have you know marked down so i'll be i'll show just a glimpse of them or two here and there but i'm just going to see if i can reuse it i don't want to completely toss them because it takes a lot of energy to recycle i think a lot of people forget the recycling just doesn't happen you know you have to you have to ship things to be recycled you have to sort things you have to pay people to handle that you know so it's not just like oh throw it in a bin and it's done no it costs it costs our company money to to deal with our refuse, you know? So there's things to, you know, think about, but if I can reuse them now into something else, I will. Yeah. Um, then the other thing I was going to do, um, and it's coming up in May is called mindful in May. And I think I mentioned this to you earlier, Alan, but I've also, yeah, I mentioned this to you and I've mentioned it to a couple of the people, but, um, I was listening to another podcast called the untangled podcast which is ran by Meditation Studio, which is a really great app if you need help with visualizations or guided meditations and things like that. And I am by no means someone who meditates regularly. And that is the problem. <laughs> but these, this uh, program that was talked about on the Untangled podcast was uh, created by a psychiatrist who is now also a meditation teacher because she has seen through her own research the benefits of meditation even just doing 10 minutes a day. So she created not a fail-proof program, but a there's no way you can do bad at this program. <laughs> like it's a, a really interesting option of doing 10 minutes a day. They send out a new meditation every day and then they follow it and supplement it up with, um, you know, inspiring talks, kind of like a TED talk, but done by um, medical researchers or people who are really into meditation. They're kind of considered the gurus of their of their field you know it's a lot of different people or even people who've just been you know 
their lives have been changed by meditation kind of thing. So she has these talks every day that are also sent out along with the meditations. And her motivation for doing this and gathering all this information is to also encourage people to do good while they're doing good for themselves. And so she chooses a charity to help um, get people excited and you're essentially kind of committing to. And if you are into yoga or anything with that kind of practice, sometimes they'll have you start a class and they'll say, dedicate your practice today to somebody or something. And you can choose like, oh, I choose my best friend or, oh, I choose, you know, this cause or something. And it's just something in your heart that you think about and it kind of pushes you to go a little bit further. And her point is that when you bring up the idea of dedicating your time and your money to a charity, you're going to take it more seriously. So you're doing good for yourself and you're doing good for others. And this, uh, this year's charity, and I think she's done this now a couple times now, is um, it helps build clean water projects. And I say clean water projects, it sounds a little vague, but it's essentially treatments, clean water treatment areas that are permanent fixtures in developing countries. And so it's essentially a permanent fix for water treatment in these places. So it's really cool. It's not just, oh, let's just bring these people water. It's about them keeping water in their, in their neighborhoods, in their communities for the long term. So anyways, I really enjoyed where she wanted people to get on board with the donation process and to, you know, dedicate your time essentially to, you know, if you're going to do the mindful in May, 10 minutes a day, remember that you did it because you were thinking about what else you can do that's better out there, not just for yourself. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to do it. I signed up today. Um, cool. You have until, I think, April 30th. I th yeah, we only have, yes, we only have a 30 week. days. <laughs> I was like, we only have three days in this month. You got one more week. Um, but the Mindful in May is very popular. It's been around for a number of years. And thousands of people do it around the world. It's not just any one group of people or, you know, out of one place. This woman's out of Australia, but she has thousands of people do it every year. So it's going to be kind of interesting. Cool. Yeah. I was just yeah. looking at her website. I was trying to, I was looking on the website for mindful in May. So it's mindful But I, 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 Oh, here's her name. Finally, it took me forever. Oh, uh, I found it. And now I'm not sure how to say it. Elise <laughs> Bialilu. Sounds B -I about right. B I A L Y L E W. Yeah. So anyway, Very cool. um, She's the founder, but um, the people that they really tend to focus on on the website are all of the other um, teachers that are brought in as part of the different modules each week. So there are a bunch of other um, mindful, mindfulness specialists who are brought in to teach. So, What I like about what she's said in her, when you go to the website and you listen to her video, she doesn't talk about mindfulness as in like, Oh, I've reached Nirvana or I'm going to be touched by an angel or, you know, like it, all she's talking about it is the benefits to you in the sense of like, can you manage your stress? Can you mm -hmm. handle your emotions? Can you sleep at night? She's completely focused on the realities of your body and the mm -hmm. most common problems she faces on a physicality level with her patients and in her research. So, well, and I that's, think it's and really that's, cool. you know, one of the, when I think about mindfulness, that's what I tend to think of because that's part of um, dialectical behavioral therapy. So that's um, a therapy approach that includes mindfulness along with a number of other um, technical skills that people learn to 
help them feel um, like they are better at communicating their needs, that they're better at taking care of themselves, they're better at um, managing difficult situations. Um, and mindfulness is part of that. So I actually never really encountered a definition of mindfulness that's different from what's part of mindful in May. Um, so yeah, so you and I talked about whether or not I would be able to do it. And I think, um, it will probably be tough for me, but that's not a reason not to do it. So. I think that for 10 minutes a day, I just have to stop looking at Facebook for 10 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. And that really means yeah. 20 minutes a day because I have to like slow down, sit, yeah, make sure the dogs are walked so that all of my stressors are taken care of before I do it. But I mean, that's a good thing. It it's is. time management. It so, really is. For 10 minutes, I kind of, I feel like I don't have any excuses because I definitely spend 10 minutes <laughs> sitting on a toilet looking at Facebook sometimes. So yeah, we, all, we all have time that we waste. <laughs> and then when we're done wasting it, we're like, wow, after I wasted that time, I neither feel uh, more relaxed or more cheerful or, or more rested. Like that's just time that I allowed to get pulled away from me in the service of nothing that is good for myself or anybody else. So exactly. Yeah. So we'll see. I highly encourage anybody to uh, follow up on it. I've, I've spoken to a number of friends about it. I think it's um, for people who are a little, you know, overwhelmed by the idea of meditating or that there's so much like associated some, you know, like it's got some baggage. Of, it's got some baggage as a concept. And so like when doctors have told me for years, and I sound like I'm really old, but like <laughs> many doctors have said like, this would be a really good uh, idea for stress management or maybe to relieve your depression and anxiety. You know, like there's all these things that you could do that would be really beneficial. You'll sleep better. Uh, but the idea of meditating sounds like it's not for me. It's not made for white bread me. But um, <laughs> this Mindful in May is actually for starters. It's officially made for beginners so that you can at least find your way mm -hmm. and your path. And there's a lot of resources to keep trying. And my favorite part is after I signed up, she was like, there's no way to fail at this challenge. <laughs> and I was like, good point. Okay, I'm here. I already did it. You already signed up. So that's, that's a certain amount of it. So I think it's, and from what I've heard, as I sent this out to a couple people, um, I sent this out to like a number of people like on a blind CC email because I was like, eh, I don't know who's into this and who isn't. So many people wrote back and they're like, I really wanted to get into meditation. This is a great opportunity for me to try. So I'm like, all right, cool. we'll see. Yeah. So yeah, those are my two big projects right now. So I apologize world. I have not been super crafty, but you know, just crafted a better person. It <laughs> takes time to polish this turd. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, those are my two projects right now. Cool. Yeah. I think it's time so for a gold star. I think it is. Do you want to kick it off? Sure. Um, right. Mine mine is an oldie but a goodie. Um, this is not something that I discovered recently. I've been It's a podcast that I've been listening to for a couple of years now, but um, it's, it's refreshed me uh, lately, and I thought I would share it with everybody else. So the podcast is called Craft Lit. Um, so it's like craft and literature. And mm -hmm. it is hosted by Heather Ordover, who is herself a, an English teacher. So um, everything that I ever loved about my high school and college lit classes 
is in this podcast. So basically, um, she herself is a crafter. She's a knitter, I think, primarily, but she also does some other crafts. Um, she spends the first, you know, anywhere from five to 15 minutes talking about her things that she's been working on, whatever it might be. Um, sometimes it's fiber art, sometimes it's not. And then the rest of the podcast is dedicated to um, an audiobook. And so she'll pick a book. Um, the one that's running right now is Anne of Green Gables. And so she will have either um, the publicly available audio recordings and she'll play a chapter or two. Um, or some, I think right now for Anne of Green Gables, there's actually a podcast listener who's recorded the book. Um, so all the books have to be in the public domain, obviously, because mm -hmm. the podcast is free. She does have a paid subscription, but I don't know that those books are and are not in the public domain, but that's just sort of like another option you have. Um, and essentially, you know, when she, when you listen to the podcast, the first little bit is about the craft and the opener, like the, the lead will say, you know, book talk begins at this many minutes. So if you're not a crafter, you can just skip right to her talking about the book and she'll give you some preamble about, things in the book that are like phrases you might have never heard before or um, concepts like cultural concepts that no longer are relevant to us and we don't think about them anymore. It's all the stuff that you wanted out of your college classes, like context, historical context. Yeah. Um, and how that book and how that author might have considered their topic material because it's, they, you know, those writers thought about it very differently than we do now. Um, one of the best books that I listened to that way uh, was The Count of Monte Cristo, which I probably never would have made it through. Oh, I can, I've never even gotten halfway through. Yeah. And I want to, but I never have. So That's awesome. It, it was really good. And the funny thing about The Count of Monte Cristo is it's my husband's favorite book, like one of his favorite books. And it kind of boggles my mind that he made it through it either, <laughs> quite honestly. <laughs> um, but because in the podcast, it's divvied up into hour-long blocks or 45 minute long blocks. And she kind of clusters the chapters together into chapters that go well together, you know, so it'll be like a couple of chapters or just one, um, that thematically hold together. It, it's just very engaging. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a really great way to listen to some classic books that I might not have read otherwise. Um, yeah. and get some of that information that helps me understand why anybody, cared about that book? Like, why was anybody so excited about it? Um, especially for something like Anne of Green Gables. Um, I know a lot of people are really into it, but because I have no, con like, I don't know anything about Prince Edward Island. I don't know anything about, you know, what it was like to be an orphan during that time. You know, these are all like completely different foreign things to me. And because she's done all of that back work, I can just enjoy it. Um, and sometimes they'll have like, uh, people who listen to the podcast will call in to like add information that um, that they happen to know because maybe they were French literature scholars themselves or they lived in that part of the world that the book is about. And so you even get some of the elements of the conversation that you would have had in a classroom. Um, so awesome. That was my favorite part of having to do those classes was just the discussion and and the varying amounts of opinions, or at least just the historical reference, just like it was being cracked open. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, exactly. That's great. So that's my gold star. 
Craftlets podcast. I like it. Look it up. Uh, my gold star for the week is something I discovered while on a drive home from Wisconsin. Um, this weekend I went to go visit my dad and take care of some stuff in Three Lakes. Um, and it's a, I'll just, there's many things, many magical things that happened this weekend in Wisconsin, but I will mention the main thing that kind of got me through and I've been listening to ever since, um, I drove home. So I normally am a huge NPR listener, but also mainly music through NPR, not just the not just the shows, like the, the talk, you know, radio stuff, not, not so much that, but I actually really just enjoy really being supportive of national public radio music programming. Um, and here in Minnesota, we have a really great one called the current, um, which is the current is something I have listened to almost every day for the last 12 years of my life. I don't think many people would admit to stick into something for so strong but it has been the longest relationship that i can count um <laughs> but it's honestly since i lived in minnesota i've always you know 11 years ago when i first lived here i discovered that one day and i was like oh my god this radio station is amazing it's a mix of everything and they really care like this is awesome it's not just oh today's hour-long program on banjo like none of that it's it's all a mix all the time and they have a couple you know special shows from here and there but for the most part, it's a mix just the way I like to listen to music. I like to listen to everything. Um, and I'm that person who's like, I like everything. I really fucking mean it, people. I really <laughs> do. Because other people are like, I like everything except for, you know, electric dance music or like, I don't like country music. Well, eat dick. Because you know what? I like it all. So mm -hmm. there. Even industrial music. That's right. I got a hole in my heart for it. It's a deep, dark one. But it's there. <laughs> um, so anyways, I have like... I just love music that way and I'm not musically inclined myself. So whenever I find a new station or a friend tells me about a new public radio station or, that they've just discovered or, you know, been listening to, I'm all ears. I will always listen. And this one was on my drive home and I was in central Wisconsin. And as I was coming up to Eau Claire, which is central slash kind of Western Wisconsin, um, I came across 99.9 .9 FM blue gold radio and it's b-l-u-g-o-l-d um no e in that in the blue gold um and i'll be honest i am not 100 percent sure if this is a public radio station i think it is because i didn't hear that many ads of any kind but the mix was incredible i was shazamming on the road when i really shouldn't have been um and I've just been really enjoying their mix of music. Theirs is a little bit more inclined to newer releases, like in the last, I'd say, four to six years, uh, like up to that. And then really very common, very new stuff, not common, but very new and freshly released stuff. But it was just such a good mix at, and out of Wisconsin. I was super pumped. Actually across, central Wisconsin, I was really happy. Over towards Stevens Point, I listened to 90 FM, um, which I think was called The Punch. <laughs> and I was like, all right, or The Punch Bowl or something like that. And I, I was like, all right, I'm gonna do it. I literally listened to, not literally, I listened to a girl and her boyfriend and his mom show up and just play, you know, all the new wave classics. I was super into it, <laughs> doing it all together. But, um, in general, I would just say that Wisconsin's public radio throughout central Wisconsin was really impressive. And then Blue Gold Radio, um, they actually have a website you can listen to and stream. It's 
bluegold, B-L-U-G-O-L-D, radio.org. And you can listen, and I'm sure you can make a donation. But Eau Claire, from what I understand, now that I've listened to this station and I've talked to a bunch of my coworkers in Minneapolis, Eau Claire has really come up. It is super progressive. There's like, they now have a new boutique hotel that like has live music on weekends. And it's like, they're just up and coming and doing some cool stuff. And it's a college town, but you know, there's a lot to be said about the people who aren't in college. They're still staying there, you know? So I love it. And I know that like, Oh, I feel terrible not knowing the guy's name, Bonavere, but um, oh. his real name. Uh, I can't remember at the moment. But Justin? Yeah, I think you're It's I think Justin you're something that I don't remember. But he's had a big part in the scene there. He's remained in Eau Claire. I know. Are you looking it up? I just heard I'm you sure talking away. Justin Vernon. <laughs> Thank you. Justin. I want to say Justin Vermont, but you know, Pretty I just close. said it. I, do you like how I said, I want to say, I'm just going to say it. Um, no, but Justin Vernon has remained in Eau Claire and has really popularized a lot of stuff there. He's really pushed for it. They have the Eau Claire Music Festival. And I mean, I'm pretty impressed. I'm really excited to go back and visit when I'm not, you know, just going back and forth between dad and here. <laughs> nice. So yeah, that's my gold star. Awesome. Or should I say a blue gold star? Oh, 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 oh. I did it. Mom and with that, it's time to wrap up <laughs> before it goes any further downhill. You guys, I've only had one beer, so let's just let's just say that. Yeah, Last time is, I was this like, is what we're like for real. This is just us. Last time <laughs> I was a little boozy woozy, so it's a little easier. Anyways, um, well, yeah, I think that is it. It was a pleasure talking with you, Island, and yes. talking to all y'all listeners. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, you can find us at our website, stitchcraftsisters.com, on Instagram as Stitchcraft Sisters, on Ravelry as Stitchcraft Podcast. Um, it's a group. Nobody's really joined it because I think most of our listeners aren't actually on Ravelry, but hey, if you want to look for us there, we are there. Um, And if you like the podcast, please do um, give us a review on iTunes. That helps bump up the likelihood that other people will find us. Um, If you have uh, feedback or something you want to say or whatever, just post it on our pod or not our podcast. You can't do that. Post it on our website because it won't be made public unless um, you want it to. And so, yeah, it can just be a private comment if you want. Or you can DM on uh, Instagram as well. We're both active on that. Um, true. Also, I want to give a shout out to a listener, our good friend Janelle. She caught the bad recording. She hollered at us. She got on it right away. And she, when we had a double recording uh, that we had. Oh, yeah. Our last episode. Mercury was in lemonade and I it got all screwed up, but it's fixed. But yeah, we also had, yeah. uh, I think at the same time Janelle mentioned it, um, Deanna also mentioned it on our website. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. Thank you for, for helping us out, guys. That is very much appreciated. Oh, man, we got some good listeners. Thanks, guys. Oh. All right. Hope you guys have a good night, good rest of your week. And we'll Me and Alan you. are waving to each other. So I know, right? No one else is. <laughs> They're like, why are you talking all slow? Because we're waving. There's hand motions. Uh, but yes, have a good rest of your week. You're probably going to hear this on Sunday. So have a really great week. Yeah. Bye. Good. Bye.